This is The Unconventional Woman, a podcast where women are coming together to celebrate and uplift one another. You see, society is always trying to tear us down and pin us against each other. But here in this space, we celebrate our trials and tribulations. We laugh, we cry, we cuss. But most of all, we've got each other's back. So without further ado, sit back, relax and check it out. She's a, she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a freak. She's too bossy. She's too skinny. She's too old. She's a bitch. She's too shy. She plays it safe. She's too nice. Nah, bump that. I'm the unconventional woman. Holla. Holla, holla, holla. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Unconventional Woman. And this particular episode is pretty damn spectacular, if I do say so myself. I have an unconventional woman who goes by the name of Asha Boston out of New York. Yay. (laughs) Here with me today to talk about some great things that she's doing and just why she's an awesome unconventional woman. So I should say hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you again so much for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here. Ah, ah, ah. So tell us a little bit about who Asha is. Who is Asha? Um, Well, for starters, (laughs) I am, my my formal introduction, my elevator pitch, I'm a journalist (laughs) and a documentarian. Um, Journalist by way of Vibe, Madame Noir, HerAgenda.com, and a few other outlets. Um, But recently, I've been able to explore documentary making. So this is where the documentarian part comes in um, through my project entitled The Dinner Table. And that is a documentary series aimed to change the perception of Black women in media. Mm, mm, mm. And so, of course, I gave the intro of you being unconventional. But can you tell us why you consider yourself to be unconventional? You know, I feel like it's it's such an interesting um, um, thing to think about um, mm. because a lot of times for us, we're always talking about what it is to be multidimensional. And for me, multidimensional and unconventional kind of go hand in hand because yes. it's that thing that makes you special. And we all are unconventional in a way because um, of the way society sets up who we're supposed to be. I think we all deviate from that in, mm-hmm. in you know different ways. Um, but for myself personally, I think what makes me unconventional is the fact that I'm, I'm doing my own thing and I'm staying in my own lane and I don't really get intimidated or I don't really fear things that happen next just because I truly believe in, in my purpose and I truly believe that I'm walking in my purpose. So I, I think that, you know, just being so tapped into myself makes me unconventional. Ooh, I like that. And so you talked about the dinner table. Yeah. Please tell us what is the dinner table? The dinner table, as most of my friends would call it, is my spoiled child. <laughs> um, it, is, it is my documentary that requires so much, um, but it, it gives so much as well, and I'm so proud of it. Um, it started off as a documentary solely um, just to change the perception of Black women in media, and it has now opened up to become an entire movement um, to, you know, just bring women of color to table settings and have them talk about their truths and share their narrative and share their truth, because a lot of times we don't 
get the opportunity to do that. It's called The Dinner Table in homage to reality television. Um, okay. On reality TV shows, a lot of time when women come together, especially women of color, um, in dinner settings, it, it's chaos. You know, mm-hmm. one minute everybody's friends, everybody's toasting the drinks. Next minute, the drinks are flying across the room. There's hair pulling. There's mama calling out. and You know, just yeah. all kinds of crazy things. Um, so um, the series starts at the dinner table. And from that very moment, we kind of flip what you're what you expect to see. You know, the conversation is different. And then the stories that you follow of the young women featured are very different. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what has turned it into a movement is really um, our audience. Our audience is, is what kind of took this documentary and put it on two sets of legs. So I started showing the documentary in a few high schools in New York City. And every time we show the documentary, young women are like, how can I go to something like this in real mm-hmm. life? Yes. I really want to be, you know, at a table talking to someone about what I want to do because so many of them have career aspirations like being forensic scientists or being, you know, lawyers or, mm-hmm. or you know, just different things. But they feel like they've never had the opportunity to connect with someone who looks like them doing exactly what they want to do. And the dinner table provides that space. So recently we started hosting live events where we, you know, make the documentary come to life and we bring high school students and college students into a room with professionals, we break down the idea of having a VIP table. So we don't seclude our VIP Mm. people into one area, but we allow them to mix and mingle with everybody in the room. And it's really a phenomenal experience. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Oh my God, you and me both. I mean, just true, genuine fellowship. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. And everyone is always just so happy to be there and happy to see each other. It's like going to Black Girls Rock. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Now, I mean... That is a huge project. So, I mean, really, really, let's break down the layers. Where did that, where did you get that idea from? I mean, I, I'm the same way. Most of us are the same way. We cringe when we see ourselves in the media and the portrayal of ourselves in the media. But really, I mean, what made you just go for it? You know, it was actually inspired by Essence Magazine. And it's kind of funny because last night was the airing of the Black Women mm-hmm. in Hollywood on OWN. And um, <laughs> they have their film contest. Um, and in 2013, that's when this entire thing started. Now, originally, I wanted to do a documentary on something completely different. And I was so set on, you know, recording the subject over the summer and really working on it. But um, due to miscommunication, that didn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of stuck saying like, okay, Asha, you want to make this jump from journalism into film and documentary making, but you have no subject. What are you going to do? And I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a prompt by Essence Magazine calling for films about multidimensional black women. I'm like, ah, this Ah. is something that I can do. And since my background is in journalism, again, the best way I know how to storytell is by letting, you know, the subject tell the story themselves and, you know, translating that to film form that kind of stumbles into documentaries. And so I was researching why they were doing this contest and they found that when they surveyed their readers, a lot of the women felt like they could not relate to the women on reality television or Mm -hmm. that it was not an accurate representation of who we are. And so, you know, they were looking for something to fill that void. Um, And and thinking about filling that void, I definitely want to provide something more, something solid. And so I started looking up, um, you know, what makes a good program? And um, I had the opportunity to intern with AMC Networks through a program called the T. Howard Foundation when I was in college. And at AMC, their motto is, 
um, story matters here. So I knew that in creating a documentary, I had to have a solid story. I had to have that thing that makes it stick, that makes you watch, that makes you want to cheer for the person and want to follow through, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so I started doing research on shows that have great storylines and have been around for a very long time. And I stumbled upon Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Right. As crazy as that sounds. Um, No, I get it, actually. (laughs) Right? It's been around for years, years. Same formula, same everything. Absolutely. So I I started reading a book called Street Gang, written by the creators of Sesame Street, on how they got started. And they said that they took the addictive qualities of children's programming and they made it positive. And I said, huh, what if I took the addictive qualities of reality television and flipped it and not more so made it positive, but made it more holistic and made it healthy so what are the addictive qualities of reality tv not to cut you off Mm. oh no it's it's perfect it's like the perfect segue it's the fighting (laughs) yeah the drama Mm -hmm. the drama it's what what i was thinking like what makes me watch reality television it's like okay every time you know something's gonna go down that's when Mm -hmm. i'm gonna tune in and again you know just kind of watching the highlight reel of different reality shows Every time something goes down, it happens at the dinner table. And so that's really like. (laughs) And I didn't even put that together, but you're so right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It does go over during that time. Okay. So now you're you're getting the story. You're getting the, the cues of how we get drawn into the train wreck. So where did the casting, if you will, come in? Um. Prayer. <laughs> and I, I can't even say that it was anything else besides prayer. Um, I'm friends with everyone who's in the first documentary mm-hmm. um, on a very personal level. And so while I was just kind of battling, okay, how am I going to tackle this? How am I going to make something interesting, you know, with this concept of the during table? And so I prayed about it and I said, okay, I'm going to write down a list of names. And if each person responds, yes you know, they will participate in this documentary. Then I'll go ahead and do the project. So I start with my friend, um, Arnell Nonin, and she mm-hmm. is a Korean pop singer. And let me just <laughs> tell you, I, I was, I had to look, rewind a few times on her. Cause I was just like, <laughs> what? Maybe I missed something here. <laughs> Jeez. She has, she's incredible. Isn't she? I, I mean, I don't even know the words. <laughs> she's, she's electric. And so I figured, you know, let me let me write her first because she's always busy. She might be going to Korea or something. So, you know, we'll see if she responds. And she responded and she's like, I love this. Yes. And so I'm like, OK, that's one person. And then I went down the line um, to another friend of mine who um, her name is Rani Shipping and mm-hmm. she owns her agenda. Um, she's not only a great friend, but a great mentor and a role model for me. Um, and she she won her first Emmy at 24 doing a new yeah, story with NBC. Crazy. So. I'm like, okay, I definitely have to ask her to be a part of something like this. And she said yes. And I keep going down the line um, to another friend of mine who works in music, um, Saika Bintz. And she's also another busybody. And I I was thinking, you know, she'd be like, oh, no, I'm I'm busy doing work. But again, she responded yes. And and it was till the point, like, every person I messaged just said yes. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do this now because we have a mix (laughs) of people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So it was was awesome. It It was very I mean, when you look at just like I said, the first one and just see the dynamics of what these women are doing and just things that you couldn't even imagine it. It really that's where I was like, okay, sign me up. (laughs) We need more of this. It needs to be done all over. And then it's just kind of evolved into a movement. 
Oh, yes, definitely. It, it, it's been incredible for me to watch <laughs> because, again, I, I started this more so to enter a contest. And the funny thing is I ended up missing the deadline for the contest, but ending up with so much more in my hands. And I'm, I'm so grateful that things have worked out the way that they did. Yeah, it's a great thing. So if listeners by any chance want to get involved, how do they do that? Oh, please, please <laughs> visit our website at www.thedinnertabledoc.com. Dot com. So it's the dinner table, doc.com. And that'll, that'll bring you to our, our fabulous website that was recently redone. And, and it has some highlights of um, one of our first dinners that we did um, here in Brooklyn at the Aquaba mansion. And again, just, just, it's so beautiful. And so it just makes you want to be a part of what's going on once you go to the website. Now, how do you actually facilitate and organize the dinners? So much planning. I'm sure. <laughs> we start off with our venue. Okay. Um, to see, you know, how much the space can hold because that that has been our thing from the jump. You know, at first it was, it was about, you know, seeing if this would work. Um, but the first dinner we planned for 60, we had 92 show up. Wow. So <laughs> we always start off with, okay, how many people do we think will come out to this event? You know, what time of year is it? You know, will it be cold? Will, you know, there be any kind of weather advisories? Will it be the summertime? Will people, more people be able to bring friends? Um, so we always start off with the venue and how many people are expected to come. And once we decide on the venue, then we trickle down to um, inviting just the right people into the room. So it's open to the public, but what makes us special is having the power players in the room, you know, the professionals. Mm. And so we always, you know, do our best to creep and see, you know, what woman is out here doing some amazing things who would love something like this, who would love to sit down across the dinner table from, you know, maybe a younger version of herself and talk for hours if she could. And so we kind of scout out those really special women and we, we kind of, you know, send formal invitations to them as well as kind of gearing up to send an invitation out to our entire audience. And um, once we have that established, then we have a decor team that kind of, you know, decides how the venue is going to look and decides the feel. Um, and I'm also working with a chef who is a very great friend of mine who also actually was a part of, you know, helping inspire me to do the dinners. Um, his name nice. is Theodore Coleman. Um, he has a catering company entitled Late Reservations. Okay. And <laughs> he caters all of our New York dinners, which is, is fabulous because he, he's, he's so passionate about food and so passionate about the art of, of cooking. And so, you know, you don't just come to the dinners and, and eat whatever's on your plate. Like you are literally eating his masterpiece. And <laughs> it's, it's great. Oh, now are you any plans to expand in the different markets? Yes. Um, our last dinner in December is really what got us, you know, on the map because um, the first few dinners we ask everyone to, we do a cell phone blackout once the entrees come out, um, just, you know, to solidify that personal connection and those conversations happening at the table. Um, but at our dinner in December, we did a blackout, but we allowed everyone to turn their phones on a little bit earlier and really document what was going on. And from that, social media is incredible. We started getting emails from people in different cities saying, this has to come here. This has to come here. And yeah. so I was like, okay. So now we're literally in the middle of finalizing our tour schedule for 2016. Oh. So our first stop is Atlanta um, okay. on April 3rd, which I'm I'm so excited about. Um and yeah, we'll 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 keep going from there. Are you going to come to Dallas? You know, if, if Dallas is ready, we're ready. Okay, I, we're going to figure that out. Okay, I'm, I'm making that my mission to figure that part out. Oh yes. Definitely. And if anybody's listening in different markets, figure it out, and we'll make it happen. <laughs> 
goodness, there's a section on our website, um, a tab that says Let's Do Dinner. You can hit the Let's Do Dinner tab, and that entire page will give you information about, you know, not just us doing dinners, but also hosting workshops. Because we do do workshops on media literacy, because that's also a very big part of changing the narrative for Black women in media, you know. So not only should we create our own content, but this is how you demand content from um, a particular network or a particular channel. And this is how you let your voice be heard. So, you know, those two things go hand in hand. You can read a lot more about it on our website, but definitely fill out the form at the end of the page if you'd like us to come to your city. Perfect. And in the show notes, I will obviously have uh, the link to the website as well as any other communications that Asha wants me to put out there so you guys can connect and, and get involved into something great. Now, okay, clearly <laughs> you are a highly ambitious woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about that transition of not feeding into the insecurities, which is a constant battle. Um, you know, we're fearful, we're scared and not sure. How do you shut down the noise and, and go forward onto these highly ambitious endeavors? Um, I think I, this is going to sound very weird, but I really love rejection and I mm. love when things kind of get in my way. I love obstacle courses, you know, um, just because it, 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 it becomes a testament of my faith because I, I again, really don't believe that I could have found any success in, in any of my projects, especially the Darren Table, without um, my foundational belief in God. And so um, anytime something comes into my way that might throw me off course or that seems like it's too big or that seems like it might knock us down or even that seems like it might duplicate what we're doing and, and kind of knock us out of the market, I'm always very confident to know that no matter how big the obstacle, what we're doing is so special and what we're doing is so unique and what yes. we're doing is really meeting the needs that there's nothing that can take away from, from my God-given purpose. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that's interesting about you, even going back to the documentary for a minute and, and the dinner table in general, mm-hmm. what I love about you is it's not so much about you. And even in the film, you said that, you know, or actually it was said about you rather that you lead from behind and that yeah. you don't necessarily have to be the face to make change happen. Yeah. That's, that's so important to me. It, it really is, especially in the world of branding mm-hmm. and self-promotion yeah. and, and fame and celebrity and, and wanting the world to know who you are. How do you stay humble and just kind of driven to stay in the background and, and keep this project ahead of you? Um, I, I had a revelation the other day that it's, it's more than just headlines for me. Mm. It's legacy building. Um, when you look at the legacy and life of so many of the great civil rights leaders, they didn't stop because they had small victories. They kept their head to the ground and they kept pounding the pavement and they kept going. And that's what creates a legacy versus creating a successful brand. Anybody can create a successful brand. Right. Um, you know, if you have the right look and you know exactly how to, you know, tap into certain markets. But for me, again, it's, it's more about the legacy that I'm leaving behind. It's more about the lives that will be touched and impacted. Um, I, for the dinners, I personally love Although I have to be in the front for, you know, branding purposes, I love the moments when I get to stand at the back of the events and watch people light up across the Watch the magic happen. Oh, my 
gosh, that that fills my heart with so much joy. Reading reviews from from young women about how, you know, they come in scared and all of a sudden they have found their voice through the dinner table. Oh, my gosh. It just it, it, it makes my entire soul happy. And I'm like, well, I don't I don't need to do a thing again. Um, you but really it, don't. Just not getting caught up on those small victories, right. uh, and, and because when we do, we we start to um, obsess over okay, who's going to come in and do what I'm doing better than I can, and then all of a sudden you kind of build up this whole psychological war in your head on on what's going on when you really could have spent all that time and energy actually doing what right. it is you're supposed to do. Right. Um, so what what really keeps me humble is knowing that the work is not done. Um, you know, there will be some people who will say discouraging things along the way. But, you know, again, I just add that to the list of, you know, what my work is not done. So I, I really just try to keep my head um, on straight and, and keep keep checking the course because there's a legacy to be left. Absolutely. And again, I I'd said it before we actually started recording, but I for the record, I mean, a huge fan of what you're doing. And, you. and it's contagious because it makes me want to sharpen my pen and my skills and, and keep doing what I'm doing to, like oh, you okay. said, uplift. I just love this new attitude of inspiring, encouraging, and uplifting Absolutely. one another. I, I am all about that. And I don't know when that became a thing, but, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, I mean, obviously it's always been there, right. but it it definitely gotten taken over and you can probably even credit maybe even reality TV with a lot of it. Absolutely. Of just pinning us together and are against each other rather in competition for men, positions, power, this yeah. and that. When, I mean, there really is room for all of us. It really Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And um, I think that one thing that's very interesting is, um, you know, again, like it's like you said, it's not new. I think black women have been coming together in dinner table spaces since the dawn of time. Right. Um, there is a, a beautiful painting. I can't remember the artist, but it's called um, Cocktail Hour. And it, and it shows, um, you know, black women just seated around the table having a great time. And it's dated 1920. I'm like, this is this is incredible. You know, so we've been wow. doing this yeah. for a very long time. However, we've been doing it with the door closed. And so I think what's happening now is you're seeing these celebrations of self and celebrations of each other unapologetically with the door wide open, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you can either have a seat at the table and enjoy, or you can kind of sit from the outside looking in and admire, but um, it's not going to stop the conversation and, and the praise and the upliftment and, and the warm feeling that happens there. I love when you were describing yourself in your bio you called yourself a change maker. Mm -hmm. And granted, we've pretty much kind of already proven <laughs> why you are one in just this conversation alone. But just to articulate, why change maker? <clears throat> because I, I think that it's very important to say things like that because especially with what's going on right now politically, um, and activism. You know, a lot of times if you're not on the front lines kind of marching with the movement, you feel like there's no place for you to be a change maker or to be an activist at some sort. But I think that, you know, it's important for me to say that to let people know like, okay, I may not be marching down the street. I may not have done a die-in. However, please don't discredit my work because my art is a part of this movement as well. Mm. Um, and, and it's very important for me to get that message across, not just for myself, but for other people who are fighting too, and they're not quite sure how to categorize themselves. Um, because I think art and the movement go hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so 
Like at what point were you comfortable enough in your skin to really just step out, not only just in faith, but just really trusting the process and the ability to do what you're doing now? I think I was born a fighter. (laughs) Um, I I was born a fighter. I was born prematurely um, at two pounds. And from the way my parents describe it, you know, there, there was no option of me not making it through, you know, I, I was going to make it through. So I think it's embedded in, in who I am, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always going to fight for what I believe in and, and step out, um, on faith to, to make things happen because, you know, again, um, through my faith, the impossible has become possible so many times. So why stop? Oh, and it's Sunday. I'm going to call that Super Sunday. <laughs> and it's going to satisfy and soothe your soul no matter what day you're listening to this. But just yes. for the record. <laughs> now, what advice would you give another woman on how to get over fear, you know, the struggle and just dealing with that confidence mm-hmm. in, in tapping into the unknown? Um, live your authentic truth. No one can do what you do, how you do the way you do it. Um, we were so afraid. Sometimes we as women can be so afraid to even work with each other because we're afraid that our platforms might combine, you know, someone might take someone's audience or, you know, even to share what we're doing. But I find that again, once you're walking in your purpose, it was designed and made just for you. No one can do what you do, the way you do it and how you do it. So you walk in that confidently and you know that no matter who comes your way or who, who comes by, it, it's, it's what you do is always going to be authentic to you. And that's enough to combat any fear. Oh, I love that. That's good. All right, party people, let's take a pause for the cause. So when I am not podcasting, which is one of my favorite things to do, I admit, I'm also working with women who consider themselves to be unconventional. I am a life and business coach to the unconventional woman, and I hear you over there. What the heck is an unconventional woman? Well, we are women who challenge the status quo. We don't believe that there is a cookie-cutter mold on how we can be successful and achieve the highest levels of our dream. We don't necessarily look for others to dictate what we can and cannot do, particularly society. We're all about coloring outside the lines and really just doing things our way. And more importantly, this is a movement that is all about empowering and uplifting our fellow sisters. You know, people want to say our society wants to pin us all together as far as women are concerned. And it's not about competing for anything in life. There's enough room for all of us. And so that's what I have been passionate about the last few months in doing is working with not only my friends, but offering my services now to women who are dynamic and want to kick things to the next level. I believe in surrounding myself with like-minded people. And if you feel that that's you, Hit me up at summercmartin.com. I would love to get to know more about you and see if we're fit. Again, I'm at summercmartin.com. Okay, now back to the fun facts. To lighten it a little bit, not go too heavy on everybody. <laughs> but, you know, you, you got to go there. And I, yeah. I just, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have a conversation with you because you're just so profound and, and just have such a good spirit. Thank you. 
from what I see, you know, and I know I, I don't have to necessarily know you personally, but you can also tell the real ones just by the things that you're saying on Twitter, the pro- your project in itself and your actions, the way you're speaking when you're in interviews. I mean, I can tell you are legit the real deal. Oh, thank you. And, and your work is so appreciated. So in transitioning, let's get to know you a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> well, first things first, if you have the opportunity to talk to anybody in person and have a conversation other than the fabulous me. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Dead or alive, who would you talk to and what would you talk about? I would love to talk to... Oh, this this one's a very hard one for me because I'm always stuck between two people. Always. <laughs> I love Flotus, so I, I, would, I would love to talk to Michelle Obama. But I would also really love to talk to Debbie Allen. I love her. And I would love to start the conversation talking about a different world and what she was able to do with that and, and how she really just kind of changed um, the way that we look at um, young black college students and, and students of color in learning environments. Because, again, when, when you look at the media representation for how we were represented in, in, in settings mm-hmm. like that, you know, it, it wasn't what she brought it to. Um, yeah. I'm just so fascinated by all of her work and so fascinated by her spirit. She just seems like such a, like, vibrant personality. And I'd love to sit down and Have talk you... I, I've been meaning to recently rewatch the episodes like as an adult and I have, I know it's on Netflix right now Yes, and I just haven't tapped into it. And then there's also a chat. Have you participated in any of that? I haven't participated in the chat, but I have watched it on Netflix a few times. Um, and it's so funny to me because now my younger cousins are like, have you heard about this show, A Different World? And I'm like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great. But again, it speaks to how timeless yeah. that show is because they can watch and relate and really feel everything that's happening in mm-hmm. these episodes. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that they weren't, you know, I, I just think that's the genius of her work and, and the genius of really listening to the audience and incorporating them into the experience of creating a show. You know, right. it goes from creating something that's not just timely, but it becomes timely and timeless. Time. And I, yeah. I so admire that. I so I, I'd love to sit down. And talk. Well, what would you talk to Mrs. Obama about? Oh, I just want to be her. <laughs> I know. Just like, how do you do oh, it? How? <laughs> about you know you being that girl from the south side of chicago i i would just love uh, to sit down and talk to her about her journey um and and even if we got the chance to talk to her daughters i'd love to talk to them about about their perspective on life and mm-hmm. and just hear how they have not only um in, internalized the their situation but you know how how they see their situation how they see their impact if they if they realize how major it is i just right. I, I you know i'd love to sit down with the whole family i was gonna um, say and dog <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) You know, Ellen or Oprah has to share that, you know, post-presidential interview with me somehow. Um, Um, Oh, my God. I would just I would love to sit down and talk to all of them. But especially if I got the opportunity to sit down and talk to, um, you know, First Lady Michelle Obama, that would that would mean the world to me. Mm, We're putting it out there. That's happening. Oh, yes. It's happening for sure. Now, name a place that you would love to travel to. And this is assuming you have not been there yet. Oh. And why? I think I would really like to visit Hong Kong. Ooh. And I say Hong Kong because <laughs> in our last 
internship search, we got an application from a young woman in Hong Kong. <laughs> and I wow. thought that it was so fascinating that our message could reach that yes. side. Of, and I, I'm so interested to hear the conversations that happen there. Um, so I think I would definitely love to visit Hong Kong. That makes a lot of sense. Now, if you can do anything, but there is a risk of failing, what would you do? Outside of what, duh, you've already done. That's pretty damn cool. If I could do anything and there was a risk without failing. No, a risk of failing. Of failing? Yep. It's easy to say what we would do if there was no risk. But pretty much like life. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I guess this kind of speaks to what I what I what I'm going to do in general. Um, but own my own production company and <laughs> produce amazing shows and also amazing commercials for television. Um, there is a great risk of failing in doing something like that, um, especially in terms of the commercials that I hope to direct or some of the shows that I hope to, um, you know, see come to life in the future. And again, you know. I mean, even though there are so many windows for opportunities now surrounding things that are happening with Oscar So White and, you know, the the um, emergence of looking for young women of color to be writers and, and directors again, you know, there are so many of us. So, you know, again, there's a great risk of, of failing or not making it into that sweep of, of women that will make it to really make the change. But I'm, I'm going to go for it anyway. I love it. And we're going to support you no matter what. Oh, thank you. So do you know that now if there is a way that people can connect. Well, we know one way, but we'll say it again. (laughs) How can people stay plugged into all things good with the dinner table, as well as Asha Brown? Yes. Boston. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, You can visit our website at www.thedinnertabledoc.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at dinner table doc. Um, if you'd like to follow me personally on Instagram or Twitter, um, my at is at Asha K A Y B. Um, I'm pretty responsive on Twitter. Kind <laughs> of responsive is. on Instagram. <laughs> just because for me on Instagram, I'll post a picture and then I'll just walk away and I'll come back. Exactly. Like, and I'm like, Oh man, people love comments. I have to respond. Um, but Twitter, I'm pretty responsive there. Um, but, you know, again, like if you don't catch me on my platforms, you can catch me on the Darren Tables platform. There you go. Now, do you have any last words for our listeners? Oh, uh, hmm. it, well, yes. Today is actually the second to last day or, you know, depending on how Teespring feels of our Can I Live campaign. We have a crew neck slash sweatshirt line um, called Can I Live? And it's this great image of three unapologetic women of color. Um, and the artwork was done by Thaddeus Coates. He's an amazing, amazing artist out of Atlanta. And, you know, the, the shirt says, Can I Live? And they all have like an attitude face. And it's, it's kind of like our clapback tee because what we found is a lot of times now in sharing our narrative unapologetically, mm-hmm. someone from another experience that is not ours will try to dictate who we are and tell us why we're not allowed to feel a certain way. Like, no, you're wrong. You don't actually. And, and, and it's so it's so silly to me. Um, so, you know, to respond to people who aren't so warm and welcoming to you sharing that unapologetic truth, we have the perfect clapback tea and it's Can I Live? And those are also available via our website under the Can I Live tab. 
And I am going to make it easy, folks, and have a link to that as well. I'm going to hook you up and make it easy to find everything (laughs) we're referring to. And you know what? I'm actually going to leave our listeners with your words. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they're just three powerful words that you said. And that is, and it's part of your mission and purpose. And that is to debunk, beautify, and inspire. And on that note, I'm going to drop the mic. Peace, peeps. Hey there. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about me and my guest, please check me out at summercmartin.com. That's summercmartin.com. Until next time.